for joining the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. We're in a series called Teach Us to Pray that is coinciding with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll be focusing on the patterns of prayer through Scripture to help us in our own prayer life. One of my favorite quotes is on prayer is from Max Licato. He said, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I pray that this series will help you grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. God bless you. This morning I'm starting a new series called Teach Us to Pray. January 10th, a week from, uh, uh, a week from tomorrow, we'll be starting our 21 days of fasting and prayer for January. It'll go through January 10th through January 20th. And I've never really focused, uh, so even though we've done it in the past, we've done 21 days of fasting and prayer, I've never really kind of done a series coinciding with that. But I, I really felt led to do that this time. And so we're over the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on how to fast and praying in our prayer life, which is so crucial. And so, but uh, this morning, I just kind of wanted to kick that off. But I want us to pray before we do anything else. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for just your work in our life. Lord, we're, we're looking forward to a a new year, Lord, your word says that your loving kindnesses are not just new every, every year, but every morning. And great is that faithfulness. And so I pray that each and every day we experience that. Lord, I pray today our hearts will be ready to receive your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So with that, with, and we're going to have the church open over the next month, <clears throat> different evenings and mornings and, and noon times, and we'll be releasing all those dates in, uh, this week, actually, of just times to be able to come and go and have times of corporate prayer in the sanctuary. And so I really want to encourage you uh, several things through this. One is, is, and I know some, you know, some aren't big on New Year's resolutions, some are, um, but you know, it's a great time to really renew our commitments, especially when it comes to our faith. And so I want to highly encourage you, if you haven't got one yet, get the reading plan out on the information desk, uh, reading through the Bible and through a year of 2022. That's all out there. It's also will be emailed out every Monday. If you're not on our email, tell Cassandra, we'll get you connected to that. And so we release that every Monday of just that week's Bible reading. And so we're going through the Bible. But part of that is also a discipline of prayer and also of fasting. And I think more than any other time, you know, when, when all this started in 2020, you know, it was like, uh, I don't know, maybe I, it seemed like the first part of it, but just besides people's attitudes and arguments and positions and opinions about different things, which actually we're still going through, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know, 2020 just didn't really hit close to home but I wonder this last year, 2021, we really went through a lot. And a lot of us individually, personally, and also as a church. And, you know, I, I really believe that God has is, is got some great things in store for 2022. Not because we deserve them, not because we may have gone through a couple of difficult years, but I still believe that God wants to do a work in us and our church and the churches of Odessa to see an impact for the kingdom of God in our area, in our city. 
There's nothing that will, that will uh, derail that belief for me. I, regardless of what difficulties have happened, the greatest days are still ahead, the greatest revival is still ahead, and the best is still yet to come. I believe it. And so, and I really think that the, the part of unlocking that is through prayer and fasting. And fasting is such an important spiritual discipline. And it's one that uh, many uh, don't practice. And so I, I want to challenge you over starting January 10th. And so that's what I just want to talk about just a few moments about what fasting is. And then I'm kinda, we'll, we'll get into this morning's sermon that will go along with it. But I just want to talk a few moments about fasting. The goal of fasting is really to draw near to God. Uh, Biblical fasting has always had to do with eliminating distractions to get our focus on God. It hits a reset button for us. Many times when when I fast, it resets my soul and it, it really renews me on the inside and from the inside out. It also enables us to celebrate the goodness of God, the, the mercy of God. It prepares our hearts for the good things that God wants to do into our life. Fasting, it was an expected discipline in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, when you go to the Old Testament, you see a lot about fasting. And in the New Testament, fasting doesn't go away. It, fasting is still there, and we're going to be talking about that over the next month. But we see that Moses fasted for 40 days, and that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Fasting and prayer can really restore that first love in our life. And I'm going to tell you, if, if you've been looking for breakthrough in your life, and you're wondering why that breakthrough has evaded you, Maybe it's because we haven't been fasting and praying. Fasting and prayer will begin to see those breakthroughs happen in your life that you haven't seen happen yet. But you know that it's there and you know that you want to see happen. Uh, fasting is a biblical way to really humble ourselves in the sight of God. The Holy Spirit will begin to quicken God's word in our hearts and our spirits when we fast. Fasting can transform your prayer life, that it be a deeper spiritual experience. Fasting is a way to bring personal revival into your life. And uh, there was a man, I believe it was D.L. Moody, uh, that lived uh, a lot, years ago, years and years ago. Then he passed away in, in 1899, but he drew a red circle in his office, and he would stand in the middle of that red circle, and he would say, Lord, start revival in this circle. And fasting, it renews that passion and, and that, that burning in our heart to see a move of God. And there's different ways that you can fast. There is a complete fast. In this fast, you drink only liquids and maybe even just water. Uh, it's... Uh, as something where you, go, you just go completely without food. And so over the next 21 days, uh, I, I'm going to challenge you to at least fast, do a complete fast, three days during that 21 days. Three days during that 21 days. Now some, and I'm going to talk about it in a second, some may uh, medically, I mean to go, uh, to, to 
do a complete fast is, is really impossible. And I, I want to talk about that. You can do, I believe you can do selective fast. You can eliminate certain things out of your life. You can change your diet. One of the things that I do during the 21 days is I do go through days of complete fasting. But the majority of it is the Daniel fast where I stay away from sugars and sweets and meats. And, and if you know, that, that's a big deal for me, folks. I mean, I just got done with hunting season. I mean, I got some good meat in the freezer right now. But uh, during that Daniel fast, I stay on salads and fruits and vegetables and, and, and those types of things. And so uh, you can do it that way. I, I think you can do um, sometimes what's called a Jewish fast or a partial fast. You just take some of the day, whether you do it from sunrise to, to dark or, you know, just be dedicated and be consistent and whatever is you choose. You may choose to, um, maybe, I mean, it's just a really big step. You're like, I don't know about this. And so I do think it's so, you want to fast Cokes or just fast sugar or fast TV or fast social media. There wasn't a whole lot of amens there, but some of us just need to give up social media and not fast it. Anyway, okay. Uh, you know, it's things that maybe it's, uh, it's more of a soul fast. It's not just fasting and get, it's, it's eliminating those distractions that we have allowed in our life to focus on God and the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And so that's really my challenge for this next 21 days, starting January 10th. We'll start this 21 days of fasting of prayer. We're going to have prayer times. But I'm even asking God for specific things during this fast. I'm asking God for renewal. I'm asking God for a resurgence of vision. And even as I was thinking about this, God just began to stir some things. I mean, it, it's really been, I mean, personally, you guys know this, I've been so open about it, but a difficult season. And regardless if the difficulty continues, what I'm believing is, is that God is bigger. And just because we go through difficult times or trials or tribulations or dark storms, it doesn't mean that God's done. Matter of fact, God's not done. And what I've often found is once we get through, the, we go through those storms to prepare us for something that God's got in store. And I, I've been praying, and maybe you want to pray with me. I, I, I know I've said, it's like every time we have, it's for two years now. It's like, you know, I, I don't, m most may not remember this. But when the pandemic first started, the Sunday uh, in that March, when we dismissed live service for a little while, was a Sunday we were launching our capital fund campaign to remodel our sanctuary. I, and I, that, the more I, I just get angry when I think about that. Because I, and I, I'm believing, that, and he was like, was that not a spiritual? I'm going to tell you, I. I, I think that it would be a significant win for us in our church to see this room redone. Some of you need to be a little more excited than that. I know there's only a few of us in here, but um, I'm going to tell you something else. I mean, for years, I haven't really said anything for a while, but for years, Crane and Kermit have been in my heart for us to start a church. I'm praying and fasting that God raise people up in Crane and Kermit in our own church that we can plant a church, mother a church out of our church in Crane and Kermit. 
I'm excited about it. I, I've been praying about, of course, our, our groups, our, our life groups, and living free multiplying. And I, I have really, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say this out loud yet or not. I've, I think there's only two deacons in here. Um, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I, over this last month, I've just really been praying and I mean, God has just really just, I mean, put a, it's always kind of been back there, but it's never really just, I don't know how to describe it, just really never just molded over or even prayed about it. But I, over this last month, I, I, I feel like the Lord's given me a vision about an Odessa Community Resource Center. And in that center, us having a building where it would house Living Free, it would house ESL, which we do have ESL happening on Thursday mornings, by the way, if you didn't know. It would house uh, family counseling. It would house help for immigration and people getting uh, status. And as, as, uh, as Americans, it would help with uh, a benevolence. It would, it would be a resource center that would be open 24-7 that would help the needs of the people in the community. Come on, somebody help me. <laughs> I, you know, and maybe it won't happen this year. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm praying that God just begin to open doors that only He can open in a big way. I, I, I still, I've been dreaming for eight years about in our facility, this facility, this church having a Mother's Day out. I think it's something that would just minister to Odessa. I think it would be something just tremendous for our church. And so there's, so there's so much more. But here's two important things I'm praying for this year. And it really has to come down to one of our values as a church. And I, I don't know if you know this or not. And it's, just, it's, it's a true statement, not just because it's a value of our church. It's just a true statement. Did you know that people growing in Christ change? Growing people change. I'm really believing this year for spiritual maturity, no matter where people are, take place this year. I think far too many people have been far stagnant for far too long. I really believe that we as a church want to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be, whatever that may look like. And so a lot of the sermons, a lot of things you're going to hear are going to be focused on those things. So I just want to talk very quickly about prayer this, this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, I want, to turn, I want you to turn to three verses, three passages. One of them is Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. One of them is Matthew chapter 6. And one of them is 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Luke chapter 11, Matthew chapter 6. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and of course, they're in your notes, they're in your paper notes. If you've got your notebooks, they're on the Bible app, and so all that's made available to you. But we're going to be looking at Luke 11 and Matthew 6 and 1 Chronicles 29. And as we get started, I, just, I kind of just want to start off by sharing just some of my favorite quotes about prayer. There's some things... I mean, some, most of you know that I love quotes. I, I mean, what, part of my journal is just every, you know, something that just leaps out. I keep record of a lot of the, the quotes that just minister to me. And so I just wanted to talk about a few of those just very quickly. One of them is from Max Licato, and he says this. Matter of fact, this is one of my favorites. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. 
But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Are you catching that? The power of prayer is not in us, but the one who hears it. A second one is from Billy Graham. True prayer is the, is the way of life, and that's so true. That's so important, and that's really the seed I want planted in our hearts this morning. True prayer is a way of life, not just in cases of emergency. Make it a habit, and when the need arises, you'll be in practice. That's pretty good, isn't it? Um, there's another one from Martin Luther. Um, this, I mean, way back, you know, this guy, of course, was in the 1500s. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Mark, Mark Batterson says this, one bold prayer can accomplish more than a thousand well-laid plans. We see that prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. And for many people, it really is that, and, and, not that God, and not that it's wrong, not that it's wrong to, 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 uh, to cry out and help when that moment arises or is needed, but I'm going to tell you the pattern of prayer in our life, it matters. The pattern of prayer in our life matters, and, our, and prayer should be our first response about everything. The Bible tells in Colossians 4.2, I didn't tell you to turn there, just it'll be on the screen. You can write it down. It should be in your notes. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so, I, you know, I, the way I want to begin this is in, in Luke 11. We read something. Luke 11 and Matthew 6 are really parallels of something taking place, but we see something in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And the disciples are talking to Jesus, and it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, as John the Baptist taught his disciples. But the disciples, they see Jesus praying, and what I really think is something caught their attention. They maybe saw him praying in a way that they've never seen somebody prayed. Maybe they heard something of how he was praying, they have never heard somebody pray. And they're like, Jesus, teach us this way you're praying. Teach us this matter of prayer. And prayer, I'm going to tell you, it's not a word we like to talk about, but prayer is a discipline. Prayer is not always goosebumps. Prayer is not always snot bubbles. Prayer, I mean, sometimes when I pray, I fall asleep. Anybody? <laughs> I mean, sometimes when um, I pray, uh, I, I, I don't want to pray. I, I said it out loud, I did, because sometimes it's just a decision and a choice. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm praying, squirrel, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, anything that can grab my attention grabs it. You know, I'll think of so many random things that really don't matter in that moment when I'm trying to pray, because prayer is a discipline. And someone once said, you can go to school on prayer, you can read books on prayer, you can go to conferences on prayer, you can listen to podcasts on prayer, you can listen to sermons on prayer, you can listen to others pray, but really the only way you'll ever learn to pray is to pray. And that's what it comes down to. 
And, and scripture, and that's what I want to do to the series, is look at patterns of prayer that really will help us in our prayer life. Because, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, surely I'm not the only one in the room, but I feel like I pray my guts out. And I'm like, I mean, I just feel like I just emptied it all out there. And, I mean, I, I you know, my, I'm hoarse, and I, I feel like I bombarded heaven. And I look at my watch, and it was like five minutes. Anybody else? I mean, sometimes that's what it's like. And so, yes, quality matters. But I'm going to tell you something. Just like the amount of quality time I have with my wife matters, so does it in prayer. The time we invest in our prayer life, it does matter. And in Matthew, Jesus answers them this way. Lord, they ask him to teach them to pray in Matthew 6 is where we see the Lord's prayer. I, don't hide your, hide your stones. I, most people call this the Lord's prayer. I really don't think that's what this is. This is the way he says, this is the way you should pray. This is your pattern of how you should do it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, then pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallow be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want to skip the First Chronicles chapter 29. I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this. I don't have any time to talk about this, matter of fact. But depending on what translation you have... If you have a King James or New King James or a New American Standard, there is another sentence after, deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom and the glory and the forever. Amen. And uh, in the SV, NIV, NLT, other translations, it's not there. And there is, a, there is actually a reason for that. And it doesn't mean your Bible's wrong. It doesn't mean it's messed up. And, and if you want to have that conversation, we can have it. But that's what 1 Chronicles 29, 11 tells us. And that's why I bring out this verse. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatest and power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you're exalted above it all. And we are given this pattern for prayer. So number one is this. It is our relationship with God. It is focused in on our relationship with God. Our Father in heaven. Whose father? Our father. It has to do with our relationship. And so when I come to God in prayer, I've really got to understand that when I'm saying our father, it's, it's laying out a pattern of understanding to know that I have been reconciled to the father, that I'm in right relationship with God, that I am a child of God. He is my father in heaven. God is not interested in us as practicing rules and rituals, but he does want a relationship with each and every one of us. And that's part of the power of prayer is, is investing in that relationship. God's adopted us as his children and he loves us and he wants us to call him father. And so when we start off in prayer and we simply begin, my God, my father, and it, it makes a connection of understanding in our hearts and our minds and our spirit of who God is to us, that he's our father. 
And he's a father like none other. And whether I have an awesome relationship with my earthly father or a terrible relationship, God is so much different than what that relationship is. And I don't base my relationship on God if I have a negative relationship with my earthly father. And so many times we project that. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm going to get real, real quick. But he, he is a father to the fatherless. He is the one for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And the Bible, I mean, some, something that Jesus said specific that really leaps out at me. It's in John chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. This is after his death and resurrection, before his ascension. But go to my brothers and say to them, this is in the garden. But listen to what he says, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. And what Jesus is saying is, this Father that I've only said the things that he said, and I've only done the things I've seen him say, he's your dad too. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. And because you are sons, everyone says sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into where? Your hearts crying out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you are an heir. That is who, when we have come to Christ... And we have confessed our sins, and He has come into our life, and He's the Lord of our life. That puts us in right relationship with God the Father, and He becomes our Father. And that means that God gives us provision. He does. He gives us provision. I'm praying this year is the year of provision for you. The Bible says that God will supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. That's part of what a father does. Part of what a father does is protect something I... I We've done more so the last couple of years than ever, but it's praying Psalm 91 over our children. And if you don't know that, you need to do it. You need to look up that chapter if you're not familiar with it. And, but pray protection. God does protect. But something else a father gives is identity. You know, there is something that no matter how different they are, when I look at Shaylee and Chase and Kaylee, they're individuals. They're all different. They may have some of my traits. They may have some of Angela's traits. But there's one thing that the, for sure they all have in common, and that's my DNA and my last name. A lot of their identity comes from our parents. A lot of our, our identity comes from our parents. Our identity, we need to remember this, it does not come from the world. It does not come from what other people say about you. Our identity comes from God the Father. And so when we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we begin that prayer, it's an understanding of the Father. You're my Father. The enemy wants to do all that he can to, to widen that gap and that divide. The enemy wants you separated from the Father. But when we come to prayer, we're, we know, God, I, I'm your child, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. The second thing is this, magnify who God is. Hallowed be your name. Magnify who God is. Hallowed be your name. David writes this in Psalm chapter 69 and verse 30. I'll praise the name of God with a song. 
I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. I've talked about this before in, in lines of this, but you know, there's two kinds of magnifying, magnification. There's a microscope magnifying and there's a telescope magnifying. One makes small things, the microscope makes small things look bigger, and that's normally what we do with our circumstance. But a telescope makes big things look as they are. And that's what magnifying God does, is that we're looking at God through the telescope. When David says, I'll magnify God with thanksgiving, he's not saying that I'm going to make a small God look bigger. It means I'll make God begin to look as big as he really is, and our God is big. And I, many times when I've talked about this very thing, of, of, and so what I'm saying is this, when you come to the Lord in prayer, it's that beginning, that, that start of, you're my God, you're my Father, you are the God of heaven. And then we see this transition in our prayer of magnify our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be them. We're, we're, we're making God's name holy. We're separating his name from everything. And that's what brings us to a place of worship. When we begin to worship God because God is the God that makes us clean. And we can worship God for that. God, thank you that you provide a way through the sacrifice of your son that I can be forgiven. That he, God, he has separated us from sin. and the, he's, he's been our sanctifier. And we can worship God for that. God, thank you for me for pulling me out of that mess. See, it gives us a point of worship to the Lord. Are you following me? So we come to God in prayer and relationship knowing he's our father. And then we can worship him. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for defeating my enemies. Thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for being my peace. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you for being my redeemer. Thank you for being my father. And we can go to a place and verbally, with our own vocal, which I think is so important, and vocally worship God. And so we come to him, something like, oh, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done. From giving your son that I could come to a place of, of faith that now I know that I'm adopted. I'm a child of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for back in February of 1994 for saving me when I was in a dead-end place. Thank you for breaking every chain, every bondage you did in my life. And we just begin to recount the goodness that God has been to us and done for us in our life. But you know what else worship is? It's not, it's not just worshiping God for what he's done for us, but it's worshiping God what he declares about himself. It's worshiping God for who he is. Number three is this, we pray his agenda first. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is where we can come to a place and really, I mean, this is when we make our requests known to God, the scripture says. This is when we just bring it all to the Lord. And this is where we can really spend some time and begin to pray. We can pray that God save the lost, that God 
give guidance, that God give wisdom, that God care for the poor, that God breaks chains, that God works unity and love, that God brings justice, that, that, and, and even specific things in our life and the life of those around us. But very quickly, I want to go through something about ways that Paul prayed. And, and this, I, as I was kind of studying this and preparing this, I thought, man, I could have made this a whole nother sermon series, which is the way my mind thinks, of course. But, um, but we see so, such good examples of a way that Paul prayed that can help us pray for things. When we're thinking about our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name, that kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Paul prayed for people. Paul prayed for people. In Ephesians 1.16, he says, and he, and, and he said this like in almost every letter that he wrote. But just one example, Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Remembering you in my prayers. God, we, God wants us to pray for people. And maybe we can make a list. Maybe it's actually writing it down or however you want to do that. Begin to pray for the people in your life. And Scripture is even clear about how well, something we do for our enemies, anybody want to know what that is? We pray for them. And it's not, I mean, I know something, it may be like, God, just smite them, just put a thousand fleas in their underwear. That's not exactly what is being talked about there. We want to pray blessing. Why? The Bible says that we, if we don't return railing for railing or insult for insult, but blessing, what the Bible says then we'll also inherit a blessing. Paul prayed for people. Paul prayed for people to have wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. Wisdom, knowledge. He's prayed specifically that people have wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. And the next verse in Ephesians 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the knowledge of Him. And so when we're praying for people, and this can work for people who are away from the Lord, what do we want to pray? That God give them revelation. That God break through these wrongly held opinions they may have about Him and the church, and God break through and bring revelation, bring wisdom, bring knowledge. We can pray for the, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are already serving the Lord. God work in them in their situations to give them wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. Are you following me? Paul prayed for hope. I think it's so important to pray hope, especially right now, for people in their life. And we see in the next verse, verse 18, we, so far we looked at 16, 17, now 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. That is so important that people know hope. That people know hope. Paul prayed for peace and unity. We can pray for this for our relations with one another. We can pray for this in church. You can pray for this in your workplace. Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. A fifth thing is as Paul prayed for people to be strengthened with spiritual power. And we're praying for people. We can pray that God would strengthen them with spiritual power. In accordance to the riches, it says in Ephesians 3.16, of His glory, that He may grant 
you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. These are things you can pray for your spouse. You can pray for your friends. You can pray for your boss. You can pray for your coworker. You can pray for your connect group. You can pray for your pastor. Thank you, Nathan. I'm glad you pray for me. Pray. Paul prayed people would abide in Christ. I mean, we know in John 15, we have talked about this and talked that we're to abide in Christ. And, and Paul also prayed people would abide in Christ. We see it in the next verse of Ephesians 3, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounding in love. And number eight is this. Paul prayed for people to be righteous and pure. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the days of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise to God. One of our themes this year is going to emphasize that growing people change. It is time that we quit just playing in the pool with our big toe and splashing around the water, but diving committed fully to growing in Christ, whatever that may entail. And it may mess up your life. It may turn things upside down. I'm going to tell you, going for God is something I've never regretted, ever. Number four is this, depend on God for everything. Give us a day our daily bread. It is okay to pray for those needs, pray for provision, pray for I mean, for whether it be financially or, or sustenance or whatever it may be, but just know that the key is this, is that God is our everything. He's the one that sustains us. Philippians 4, 4 and 6, right? Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, and by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Depend upon God for everything, for everything. I mean, the Bible says, if, I mean, we get so, you know, sometimes it's easy, especially during Christmas time, right? It's like, you know, we look at the presents under the tree, and maybe we think it looks a little thin, or maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I think, you know, I don't know, what did all, what did all your cousins get? Does it, does it compare to what you got? And we get locked in, and it's just, materialistic thing and I'm going to tell you none of that matters we need to be completely and wholly dependent upon the Lord and depend on God number five is this get in right relationship with God and people now this one may I expect to see a lot of people looking at the floor on this one maybe I'm joking if you didn't know maybe not I don't know what does it say forgive our debts we like that one as we have also have forgiven, and I like how it's past tense. You ever notice that? That we have already forgiven our debtors. And so we need to be getting right, and so some of our prayer time needs to be, God, are, are things all right between me and you? Have, have I been obedient? 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our righteous, all unrighteousness. Powerful promise in Scripture. I'm going to tell you, I, I don't necessarily believe that we go do a bunch of sins that we don't know that we've done, so I'm not real big on 
Lord, forgive me whatever thing I might have done. But I, I really believe Scripture teaches us to be specific. When it says confess our sins, that's just not saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm not saying that doesn't work, but I'm going to tell you the precedence in Scripture. Lord, forgive me for talking bad about Joe Bob. Lord, forgive me for me taking part of that gossip. Lord, forgive me for these thoughts that went through my head. Come on, somebody. I, I know that doesn't feel good, but that's the truth of the matter. Is we need to allow God. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalm 139 is that God knows us. He searches our hearts. But it's also that we're in right relationship with one another. The Bible, matter of fact, in the same passage, it says in 614, Matthew 614, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. I I can only take that to mean one thing. If I don't forgive the people in my life, am I receiving the forgiveness of God that I need? I'm just going to leave it as a question. I'm just going to leave it as a question. If I am holding unforgiveness to all the people, to people in my life, am I getting the forgiveness from God that I need? And only, there's no qualifier there. There's no list. Well, if this happened to you and this happened to you, you, you don't have to forgive this or this or this. That is it. That, Y'all are quiet. The, the reality is this. When we look at our relationships with one another, I mean, sometimes we've really got to take stock in where we are in life and those around us because part of being a believer is not just being in a right relation with God, but it is being right relation with those in our life and those around us. And, and I, I thought about it this way. How's it working out for you? I mean, that's really what... We've got to take stock. Is, is how is life working out for you? Listen, I, I don't know how many times, I mean, right, people, if I were to, well, let's just, this is not rhetorical. If you like to avoid drama, raise your hand. Really, raise, if you like to avoid drama, raise your hand. You know what's amazing is how many people say, I hate drama, and then I'm like, then how come you're always in the middle of it? You really, you, you're like a magnet. <laughs> I mean, at some, I mean when, when we see relationship by relationship by the relationship going south, when do we realize maybe it's not all their problem, but I might have some ownership in that? We don't like to look in that mirror, do we? I mean, some of the telltale signs are, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. That's rarely true. We can be secure and confident in who we are. I'm going to tell you, all of us, it crosses all of our mind what other people think about us. Or, I'll, t- you know, I'll tell you what I think. It's like, no, really don't, you know, would rather thank you as a fool than you to prove it. That's the Bible, by the way. I'm not just being rude. If somebody hurts my feelings, I mean, think about this. Think about in our life, in our relationship. Like, if somebody hurts my feelings, what do you think the odds are that when I go tell somebody else about it, I'm talking about my ownership in it. <laughs> Hello? Are you guys awake? <laughs> I mean, I tell people all the time, there's usually two sides in the truth. And so whenever somebody is 
Let's, I'll be nice. I'll be nice now. Sharing their heart. We need to be cautious before we jump on the bandwagon. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? And I think that's what it comes down to. So many times when our relationships go south, we're more interested in making a point than making a difference in somebody's life. I'm going to say that again because I did. Did you catch that? Too many times we're too interested in making a point, our opinion known, than making a biblical difference. And that's what it comes down to. If you ever, I, I can't say this enough. It's going to be one of my themes for this. I'm just getting, get, get ready to hear this phrase all year long. Run from unbiblical input. Run from unbiblical input. Scripture teaches us how to live with one another. It teaches us how to cope with marriage and thrive in marriage. It teaches us parent and child relationship. It teaches us our relationship with one another. It teaches our relationship with God. It teaches us how growing people change, run from unbiblical input. I'm not interested in people's opinions anymore. I want God to speak on the matter. And the sixth thing is this. i got to hurry. I'm sorry. It's engage in spiritual warfare. Spend time as you pray engaging in spiritual warfare and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I know so we don't maybe not have a full understanding. I mean, some may and some may not. We may be all over the map about spiritual warfare, but I'm going to tell you it is time to get the armor of God on. It's time to get the fatigues on and jump all in in this thing and stand in the gap for people. To stand in the gap for the church. To stand in the gap for those who are destitute and bound and addicted. To stand in the gap for those who are hurting and lost and deceived. To stand in the gaps for those who need a binding up of the broken heart. Who need deliverance in their lives. A miracle in their life. It's time for us to stand up to be our brother's keeper and engage in spiritual warfare. The last thing is this. Number seven. Express faith in God's ability. And that's where 1 Chronicles 29.11 comes in. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness of power and the glory and the victory and majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Your, it, yours is the kingdom, O Lord, exalted, exalted above all. I want to ask you to stand this morning. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. I'd like to issue the same challenge that we issued to the church. Whatever time that you spend with the Lord invest more. Maybe you're someone that really hasn't been that consistent. Make it your goal to be consistent in praying every single day. If you're one that has invested, you have a strong devotional time. Step it up a notch and invest just a little more time. It's time well invested in our relationship with the Father. If you would like more information about Odessa First Assembly, go to odessafirst.com or any other social media platforms. We also broadcast live every Sunday to our website, Facebook, and YouTube. Please share this podcast and know that we are grateful for you and we are praying for you. God bless you.